Thank you for listening to Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible, a new, much funnier translation of the entire Hebrew Bible written by me, David Tuckman. I'm coming to you from my living room, slickly edited over some room tone to make it sound like I'm whispering to you before the show. If this is your first time listening, don't worry, you can jump right into this episode. If catching up first is more your thing, you can try the three Just the Bible Bits episodes of the show, which will speed you through the first 18 episodes. Or you can listen to the massive SoundCloud playlist at www.soundcloud.com slash omgwtfbible. This month, we'll be talking about Yosef's deception of his brothers and what it means to hide who you are. If you enjoy this month's show and have something you'd like to share, drop me a line at omgwtfbible at gmail.com. Or you can post a comment on the Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash omgbible, tweet at at omgwtfbible, or comment on the blog at www.omgwtfbible.com. You might also want to consider signing up for the mailing list by clicking on the link in the rightmost column on omgwtfbible.com. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it in the iTunes store. It only takes a minute and really helps. Now, the recap. Previously, in the Bible, God created literally everything, including Yaakov and his son Yosef. Yosef pissed off his brothers, was sold into slavery, went to jail, and was very suddenly appointed vizier to the Paro because he predicted the famine that was about to roll into Egypt. Enjoy the show. For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible was meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Welcome to episode 20 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman. We are coming to you from Beauty Bar in Manhattan in front of a live audience. Can you hear them? No, you can't because they're not cheering right now. Each month on the show, a guest joins me and tries to read as many chapters as possible of my own personal translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew while I make fun of it. Today is April 28th, 2014. Is that right or is it the 20th? Yes. yes. It's April 28th, 2014. It's Holocaust Remembrance Day, or at least it was until nightfall, and I didn't realize that when I scheduled the episode. So I apologize if I'm interfering with anyone's observance. As somebody who grew up Jewish, I feel like Holocaust Remembrance Day is kind of a weird holiday because if you grow up in a Jewish home, every day is Holocaust (laughs) Remembrance Day. It would be an observance if we'd spent one day not talking about the Holocaust. But that's just me. I want to tell you about the next episode um, is also going to be a beauty bar on 14th Street. It feels really nice to be here um, because... We're going to use this space somewhat permanently now. I think for the future, all the shows are going to be here. So it it feels nice to start to get comfortable in what hopefully will be the home of the show for a while. Um, That's going to be on May 26th at 8 p.m. with Michael Malice, the author of Dear Reader, the unauthorized biography of Kim (laughs) Jong-il, which makes him the perfect person to talk about Yosef's particular brand of socialism with. Um, I also want to thank Wendy Chin for the food. There are some delicious sandwiches and hummus and tabbouleh and pita and cookies here. So thank you, Wendy, uh, for generously sponsoring the food tonight. If you would like to feed a future, oh my God, what the fuck Bible audience, please get in touch with me. I'll put your name at the beginning of the show and the world will know that you fed some Jews and some other people for a night. Um, (laughs) 
I also have a really exciting thing I want to tell you. Um, by the time this episode goes up, or I think the Monday after this episode goes up, so a week from today, the month is ending, so I have no idea what day of it is, but someday in May, the first Monday in May, um, I'm going to redesign the website. So right now, if you go to omigodwhatthefuckbible.com slash episodes, it's just a whole long list of episodes, and it's kind of a pain to get through. Uh, it's going to look beautiful a week from today, so go check it out. There's one more announcement before we get to our guests. I'm also trying to, to find out what you guys want. Um, so I've put a survey up on the website. It's called, or it's at ohmygodwhatthefuckbible.com slash survey. Go check it out. It will take you less than 40 seconds to fill out, and it really helps me uh, make the show better. I think 40 seconds is the fastest one so far, so see if you can beat that record. Anyway, let's get into the show. Let's get our guests on stage. She is the author, most recently, of the memoir, Cut Me Loose... Sin and Salvation After My Ultra-Orthodox Girlhood. Please welcome to the stage, Leia Vincent. Let's hear it for Leia. Thank you so much for being here. I paused during the name of your book. I oh, apologize. you did great. You, you, you nodded awesome. at me. I got it right. I was terrified I wouldn't, but I got it right. So your book is called Cut Me Loose. It's about your experience leaving an ultra-Orthodox community. It is. I guess. And um, I, I, I read it over the course of the past month. It's really, it's, it's quite a harrowing story. Um, and I don't want to make you go into any of it. If, if you got, I, I recommend that everyone here read it because it's really an incredible story. And I'm amazed that you're here today and able to talk to us given some of what you went through. Um, but just let's, I want to know a little bit of background about you. Where, where are you from? I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay. But I grew up in a really yeshivish family. And yeshivish is sort of like really Jewish, but not Hasidic. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, like super Jew, but not Hasidic super Jew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where are you now? Here. Okay. Um, but I live in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And you're not ultra-Orthodox not anymore. Not ultra-Orthodox. You're not yeshivish now. No. What, uh, in, an, in one sentence or less, and I know you wrote an entire book about it, <laughs> what happened? Sure. <laughs> What happened? What happened? What happened? Um, I had some questions. I pushed a little bit against some of the really strict boundaries, Mm -hmm. and my parents reacted very harshly. And as a teenager, basically, I found myself alone, completely uh, ignorant of the world, but lost in it. And the book really talks about how that happened and what I went through to kind of pull my life back together. One of the things that really stuck out to me was um, how small the transgression that sort of pushed you over the edge was. Yes. Um, you you bought a sweater that. Yeah, but you know you don't people don't really get that. Like I was already branded oh, as yeah, pretty absolutely. evil by then. Well, you you talked. I mean, you you touched a boy. I don't know if I had touched well, a boy touch by a then. Boy at that point? You had no, to I had spoken. Well, I don't, actually, I had touched a boy by then, but I don't think that anybody. <laughs> I don't think nobody knew about that. Nobody knew about that. Yeah. but you had traded um, letters with a boy. I had traded letters with a boy, and I had told my mom I wanted to go to college. Right. And I was not cool with racism, and like these were big problems. <sighs> yeah. I, what, what stuck out to me, and some of the things that I related to were, um, like how the community that you grew up in, I grew up in a modern Orthodox community, so it was a a little bit less extreme, but how they related to what to me now seem like uh, normal interactions between young boys and girls. 
Like the idea that you could be branded as something other because you shared letters with a boy. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially for girls in my community, mm-hmm. your life really revolves around modesty. Like the boys get Torah learning, they get something constructive to build. Girls just have to protect their modesty. And it becomes this like competitive arms race about who can be more modest, you know? Yeah, well, one of the things that stuck out to me too was how, you know, you. You were moving away from it, and you had issues with it, but you kept sort of hoping that you would be brought back in. You were raised uh, in a way to be a wife, and you kept hoping that you would find the husband that would turn the switch, that would bring you back, that would pull yeah. you back into the fold. It's a little embarrassing. Like, I was not I was not a bold feminist as a teenager. Like, yeah. I am a little embarrassed when I look back. Like, I really wanted to find a way back in. There was just no way for me to go home again. Which is, which is a, you know, which is one of the the tensions about it are the things that that's frustrating about it because um it's not like you wanted to leave no but you wanted to be yourself yes and there was no way for you to be yourself and stay exactly and that's that's tough that's really tough i think um like again i think just to repeat it uh what stuck out to me was how there was almost the hope, no matter how far you were, that a man could bring you back. And it's yeah. not an empowering thing, I guess. It's not. And you know what the thing is? Like, you can realize, like, things like Shabbos, Sabbath, or kosher, like, those are very tangible, and you can keep them or not keep them. Like, you don't, I didn't realize that I was, my life and personality was shaped around this obsessive worshiping of men. Yeah. Like, because it was just reality. Right. So even though I left certain aspects of the religion behind, that relentless hunger for some man to make my life meaningful, like, I didn't even identify that as a as, as a legacy of my upbringing. I just thought that was re- the real world. Right. It's just, it, it's what shaped your psyche, and there was nothing outside of it. There was exactly. No, you had no awareness that there was another way to think. Yeah. Um, but right now, we're going to talk about the Bible. And I guess, uh, I wonder if you've ever read the entire Tanakh cover to cover. This is something that I asked my guests. Not the whole thing cover to cover. Okay. I mean, what, what, what kind of uh, education in the Tanakh or in the Bible did you have growing up? We studied it like every day at school for mm-hmm. a long time. And so we got covered most of it all. The, I mean, I guess the naughty bits were, <laughs> were not, <laughs> we're not, we're not those, covered. That's the most fun part. Yes. And so like as an adult, I've. I've yeah. made up for the lack of education. Yes, absolutely. But but, but <laughs> what was the like? What was the character of it being taught to you? How was it presented to you? Just this? as like a really dry thing, and it wasn't about a story with people. It was about can you translate the Hebrew words to English? And I was really crappy at that. Right. So I didn't really like. I didn't feel attached to it uh-huh. as a kid. Was it? So it, it sounds like it was sort of given to you. Like this is the story. This is how we understand it. Yeah, and in a very flat way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you have a did you have a story or a piece of it that stuck out to you that you you thought was what's your favorite story or character in the now book? or as a kid both um, as a kid I really loved Yosef okay yeah um, I guess because I grew up out of town and so I kind of identified with him like being lost in Egypt because we weren't in a big ultra orthodox community yeah and he was so handsome and 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 sort of <laughs> he's very charismatic. beautiful there weren't a lot of attractive men in my life to kind of <laughs> have crushes on so like a biblical character but the, that's a very safe person to have a crush on too totally yeah, yeah very inaccessible because when you read about him you're you're reading the torah exactly um but who i love now yes. i love loved tamar and the story of tamar which which tamar so tamar the one who has sex with her father-in-law and gives yes. birth to a child who becomes the patriarch of the Messiah. Episode 16, I think. Exactly. Hi, David here. Not 
Exactly. Sorry about that. The story of Tamar happens in chapter 38 of Genesis, which is covered in episode 17 of the podcast. Episode 16 includes the story of Dina and the massacre of Shem, which is definitely worth a listen. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. A really, it's a really complicated story, and I think yes. that's one of my... It's, there are only a few examples of empowered women in the Tanakh, and she's a rich, she takes history into her own hands, really. Yeah, I think it's like an erased or invisible part of Jewish history that we have this legacy of really promiscuous, strong <laughs> women. Yeah. And like, as somebody who's really interested in women and women's sexuality, like, it's an amazing model that was not taught to me in Beis Yaakov. Right, but it's there, and that's what's... <laughs> It's there, and that's what's interesting to me, too, that the ability to teach these stories in this way is there, but it's not always done, at least in the more not at all. orthodox communities. Um, so you, do you consider yourself Jewish right now? Absolutely. Do you believe in God right now? Yeah, no. Okay. Um, what, what don't you believe in, or what do you believe I so I I have to say no because I think God is a very dangerous word. Like people can't say God without hanging a bunch of dangly ornaments on it that are very distracting and dangerous. Mm -hmm. I think that there's so much we don't know about the world, right? Yeah. Like we're we're little animals the, running around a small planet. And the world is a very small thing. Yeah, like the universe, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I think <laughs> like that the universe, right? <laughs> exactly. So like I think yeah, there's so much out that we don't know and we don't understand yet. Yeah. And I just so I think a lot of people call that God. But I think that's very dangerous. So I just have this awe for the mystery of the unknown. Okay. And a little bit of skepticism about a lot of bit of things. Yeah, that's important. But do you, do you, so you don't see this as having been written by God, I imagine? Uh, no. Okay. Do you... It wouldn't be interesting if it was. No. Well, it's, it's weird because it's a very human book. Exactly. That's what ways. makes it enduring and fascinating. It's, it's much more interesting to me when the characters are human and have flaws than yeah. if it's taught as... These are people that God animated and put on the earth. Yeah. And God himself is so human. I mean, that's why I like him much better in the Old Testament than the New. Like, yeah. he's just so much more relatable. Like, his he's, anger, he's his jealousy. Yeah, he's insecure, off. all that stuff. Yeah. He's just this beautiful man in the new one. Anyway, we're going to get into the reading in just a second, but I wanted to present to you, as I do all the guests, uh, the official Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible mug. It's gorgeous. Thank you. So that's you. Your to drink, yours to drink. I um, will enjoy it. I don't have to wash dishes Adam. tomorrow to have my tea. Nice. <laughs> There you go. Thank you. Um, but let's get into the reading. Are you guys ready to hear the Bible? Woo! Yeah. This is Torah, a loose translation, in the beginning, chapter 45, Genesis 42.1 to 42.38, in which the famine creeps over to Canaan. Yaakov saw there was food in Mitzrayim. Why are you just sitting there, Yaakov asked his sons. I've heard Mitzrayim has food. Go down there and get some food so we live and don't die. Both at the same time. Yeah. Ten of Yosef's brothers went down to Mitzrayim to get some rations of grain. I like that they're still defined as Yosef's brothers here, even though he's in a totally uh -huh. different country. With this. Yeah. I like to think my brothers and sisters walk around saying, they're our sister we banished, we're layers. Yeah. I don't think so, though. <laughs> um, Yaakov did not send Minyamin, Yosef's brother. What if something bad happens to him, Yaakov said. You know, like his ten older brothers selling him into slavery. The famine had taken Canaan. Yisrael's sons entered Mitzrayim with throngs of other migrants. Yosef ruled the land. He personally rationed food to all. Not a micromanager. No, not at all. Um, his brothers came to him and bowed so low their nostrils touched the ground. <laughs> when Yosef saw his brothers, he recognized them. He decided to talk tough to mess with them. Where'd you come from, he said. We came from Canaan to collect rations, they said. You see, Yosef recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. 
He remembered the dreams he had had about them. And gloated silently. <laughs> you are spies, he said to his brother. You came to find out where our borders are exposed. So uh, literally in the Hebrew, this says uh, the nakedness of the land. So that's, that's cool. Kinky. <laughs> no, master, that's his cool brother metaphor. said. We are your slaves who have come to get food. We are all one man's sons. We're telling the truth. Your slaves have never, ever been spies. Except for that one time. <laughs> Wrong, Yosef said. You've just come here to see where we are exposed. Your 12 slaves are brothers, they said. Wait, 12 slaves? And what's the matter with the brothers? Well, because Yosef is one of the... Yeah. Yeah. We are all the sons of one man who live in Canaan. And there's Dina, too, but I think they forgot about her. I think what's interesting is that, for some reason, they all have to be the sons of one man. Like, that proves that they're not spies. Right. Yeah. That's a little... Which, you know, if you know anything about the mafia or... Spy, like, it doesn't seem... Yeah. No. <laughs> all right. Not... Yeah. Spy family. Exactly. The youngest one is home with our father today, and one of us has gone missing. <clears throat> And I say, you're spies. I'll test you. By Pharaoh's life, you may not leave until you bring your youngest brother here. Send one of your group to get your brother. I'll keep the rest in prison, and we'll see if you're telling the truth. If not, by Pharaoh's life, you are spies. Yosef locked his brothers in a guardhouse for three days. Do this and live, Yosef said to them on the third day. I am a man who fears God. Huh? If you're telling the truth, leave one of your brothers in prison in the guardhouse. The rest of you take rations to feed your house. If you bring your youngest brother back, I will believe you and you won't die. He's saying this like it's uh, something that he's not going to do. This is what happened. <laughs> this is our fault, Put one each one said to the other, because of what we did to our brother. We saw his soul suffering when he cried out to us, and we didn't listen. That's why we're suffering now. Oh, man, they have no idea how right they are. <laughs> Didn't I tell you not to hurt him, Ruvain said? <laughs> you fucked her stepmom, Ruvain. <laughs> you didn't listen. Now his blood's reckoning has come. There was a translator between them and Yosef, so they didn't realize their brother could hear everything they said. Oh, so they're still in this throne room. Thank you for <laughs> setting the Bible. The Bible is not great at setting. <laughs> Yosef turned away and cried in private. Then he turned back and spoke to them. This was very awkward. He took Shimon and shamed him. Then he imprisoned him. To be fair, Shimon totally deserved it for murdering an entire town after convincing them to cut their foreskins off. Whoops. <laughs> Yosef commanded that his brother's vessels be filled with grain, their money returned to their sacks, and they be given a little something for the road. This was done. The brothers put their rations on their donkeys and left. At the hotel, one brother opened his sack to feed his donkey and saw the money sitting in the mouth of a saddlebag. I got my money back, he said to his brothers. This is turning into a Capital One commercial. <laughs> It's in my saddlebag. What has God done to us? The brothers said to each other, trembling. This is such a Jewish reaction. Something <laughs> good happens, and it's a tragedy. <laughs> they got to their father, Yaakov and Canaan, and told him everything. The master of the land talked real tough with us real and said, tough. he thought we were spies. We're telling the truth, we told him. We've never been spies. We were 12 brothers, all one men's sons. One of us is missing, and our youngest brother is at home with our father in Canaan today. I hope that they, they said it the way that you're saying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is how I'll know you're not lying, the master of the land said. Yeah, we're really going to repeat all of this. Yeah. <laughs> leave one of your brothers with me and take food to feed your starving home and leave. Bring your very little brother back to me, and I will know you are not spies and are telling the truth. Then I'll give your brother back, and you'll be free to move about the land. The Bible is not good at economy of language. It's one of the few books longer than Game of Thrones. 
<laughs> when they were emptying their sacks, each one found his bundle of money in his sack. They saw the bundles of money, they and their father, and were terrified. You made me lose so, so many scary. children, Yaakov said to them. Yosef is gone. Shimon is gone. You're taking Benjamin. It all falls on me. Kill two of my sons if I don't bring him back to you, Ruben said. Yeah. <laughs> great husband. Great, yeah. Then he loses two grandchildren, too. Yeah. Put Pinyamin in my hands, and I'll return him to you. My son will not go down with you, Yaakov said. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. Except for the other ten and all the grandchildren, and all the daughters, who we haven't mentioned at all. If some tragedy happens on the road, you'll have destroyed my old age in hellish grief. And that's the end of the chapter. Simon just stays in jail. These, let's hear it for chapter 45, and Leah. Um, just so you know, in case you're following along, these are the songs from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat that were covered in this chapter. Those Canaan days, uh, the brothers come to Egypt slash grovel, grovel, and... <laughs> Now things get weird because um, in the musical they only go to Mitzrayim once, so we're going to take an interlude that doesn't actually happen in the musical. Thanks, Andrew Lloyd Webber. This is chapter 46, Genesis 43.1 to 43.14, in which there is nothing but despair. The famine was pretty hard. I guess you could say it's those Canaan days reprise. <laughs> the famine was pretty hard on the country. With time, Yisrael and his sons finished the rations they got from Mitzrayim. So they weren't going to go back for the sun down there no, until no, no. then, they just until just they got eat. hungry. Okay. Yeah. Go back and get just a little bit to eat, their father said. Just a little. But the man warned us, Yehuda said. He said, don't show your faces around here without your brother. If you send our brother with us, we'll go down and get a ration of food. But if you don't send him, we won't get to go down and get food. Because the man said, don't show your faces around here without your brother. One more time with feeling. <laughs> Why did you do this to me, Israel said. Why did you tell him you had another brother? Oh, my God. Don't blame the victim, man. <laughs> he kept pestering us with questions about us and where we came from. They said, is your father still alive, he asked. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any brothers? So we told him, how were we supposed to know he would ask us to bring our brother? Send the boy with me, Yehuda said to Yisrael, his father. Let's go already, so that we stay alive, and we don't die, and you don't die, and our children don't die. <laughs> I will guarantee Benjamin. You can ask me for him. If I stand before you, not having brought him back, I will have sinned all my days. At this point, if we hadn't waited, we could have been there and back twice. Jeez. If that's what you want, Yisrael said, what can I do? This so is passive-aggressive. <laughs> This is what you'll do. Bring the best of our land to the man as a tribute. I thought they had no food left. Yeah. Take a little balsam, a little honey, wax, lotus, pistachios, and almonds. Take twice as much money in your hands. Return the money you found in the mouths of your saddlebags. Maybe it was a mistake, and uh -huh. take your brother. Now get up and go back to the man. May El Shaddai grant you mercy before that man, and return your other brother to you, and Benjamin, my son. And what I've lost, I've lost. <gasps> Uh, no songs from Joseph, the Amazing Technicolor Dream Co. were covered in that chapter. This is chapter 47, Genesis 43.15 to 43.34, in which Yosef strains to keep up his silly charade. Taking their family's tribute, the double money and Benjamin, the men went down to Mitzrayim. As they stood before Yosef, he saw Benjamin was with them. Bring these men to my house, Yosef told the man who was in charge of his house. Of course. Slaughter an animal and prepare it, because these men will dine with me at noon. And that's why Jews always eat exactly at noon. <laughs> the man did as Yosef said and brought the men to Yosef's house. Seeing they were being brought to Yosef's house, the man got scared. This is all because of the money that was in our saddlebags last time. And the brother said, he's going to yell at us and shout accusations at us and make us slaves and our donkeys too. Not our donkeys. <laughs> 
They went up to the man in charge of Yosei's house. Yet another nameless slave. And talked to him near the entrance. Things are getting really dramatic in the Bible. Remember when it was just Yaakov making animals look at sticks while they fuck? (laughs) My lord, they said, first we came down to ask for food. When we got to the inn and opened our saddlebags, the man's money was in the mouth of our saddlebags. We have the full amount right here to return to you. We also brought more money to buy food. We have no idea how the money got in our saddlebags. Uh Uh-huh. Peace be unto you, he said. Do not fear. Your God and the God of your fathers put a treasure in your saddlebags. Your money came to me. <laughs> they all realized this guy was a weirdo and backed away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> then he brought Shimon out to them. The man brought the men to Yosef's house, gave them water, washed their feet, and fed their donkeys. Their precious donkeys. <laughs> While waiting for Yosef's noontime arrival, they prepared the tribute. They heard they were going to eat bread there. Bread. <laughs> when Yosef got home, they brought the tribute over and bowed to the ground in front of him. Yosef asked how they were. And how is your old father, he said, the one you said is still alive? Your slave, our father, is peaceful, they said, and bowed even further than they had already been bowing. Yosef looked up and saw Benjamin, his brother, the son of his mother. His real brother. And is that the little brother you told me about, Yosef said? May God be kind to you, my son. So coy. Seized by emotion, Yosef rushed out of the room and wept. He washed his face and came back. Serve the bread, he said, holding himself back. He ate by himself. And the brothers ate by themselves, and the Mitzrayim ate by themselves. The Mitzrayim cannot eat bread with the Hebrews. They found that repulsive. That, uh, the repulse, yeah. On Holocaust Remembrance Day, of all days. Um, the word in Hebrew is actually to'eva, which is the word abomination. It's the word that is used, uh, what God thinks of gay sex. It's really weird. It's a, basically, what we're learning is that the Mitzrayim are really, really racist. Huh. The men were seated by age, the oldest first, all the way down to the youngest. They looked at each other, astonished. He passed food to them. Who? Nobody knows. <laughs> Pinyam, Bad pronouns. Pinyamin's portion was five times bigger than anyone else's. The brothers all drank and got wasted with Yosef. Songs from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream Co. covered in this chapter. Still none. Okay, we have time for one more. This is chapter 48, Genesis 44, 1 to 44, 34, in which Yosef continues to pull the silly crap. Fill these men's saddlebags with as much food as they can carry, Yosef told whoever was in charge of his house. Oh, he is totally still wasted from last chapter. (laughs) Put each man's money in his saddlebag's mouth. Put my chalice? Chalice. Chalice. My silver goblet in the mouth of the tiny one's bag with the money for his ration. Tiny (laughs) one? The slave or whatever did what Yosef told him. At morning light, the men and their donkeys were sent off. They had not gone far from the city when Yosef spoke to his house manager. Get up and chase after them, he said. When you catch them, say, Why did you pay for good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from? A little stage direction. You should be holding the cup at this point. (laughs) And uses for his magic spells. Wait, what? (laughs) You did a very bad thing. The servant man thing caught up with his brothers and said just that. Why does our master say this, they said. It would be a shanda for your slaves to have done such a thing. We brought the money we found in our saddlebags back from the land of Canaan. How could we steal anything, gold or silver, from your master's house? If you find it among your slaves, that man shall die, and the rest of us will be slaves to your master. 
Finally, the Bible does irony right. We have information that's being withheld from the characters. This is awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> if that's what you want, the manhouse person said, but this is how it is. I'll take whomever the bag is found with as a slave. The rest of you are clean. Hurriedly, each man brought his saddlebag to the ground and opened it up. you think that maybe they would have checked their saddlebags on the way out after what happened last time, but they didn't think that through. The two searched, starting at the oldest and ending at the youngest. The chalice was found in Benjamin's saddlebag. Oh, after doing irony so well, was suspense <laughs> too much to ask for? <laughs> the brothers tore their shirts, loaded up their donkeys again, and returned to the city. When Yuda and his brothers got to Yosef's house, Yosef was still there. That's where he lived. They fell to the ground in front of him. What have you done, Yosef said? Don't you know a man like me does magic? Again, what? <laughs> what can we say to my master, Yehuda said? What words do we have? How can we be justified? God has found your slave sin. We are now slaves to our master, us and the one with whom the chalice was found. God forbid I do such a thing, Yosef said. I'll take the one the goblet was found with as my slave, but the rest of you can go back to your father in peace. Oh, so this was all an elaborate plot to set up the same situation that happened to him. It turns out Yosef is Batman. Ah. <laughs> Yehuda stepped forward. Please, my lord, he said, let your slave speak into your ear and don't have an angry nose at me because I'm going to use that with my kid. Don't have an angry nose with me, girl. <laughs> I'm going to speak into your ear, all right? Put that nose away. Because to your slave, you are like Paro. My master once asked his slaves if we have a father or a brother. We told our master we have an old father and a small son born to him in his old age whose brother died. He is the only one left of his mother. His father loves him. You told your servants to bring him down so you could see him. We told you the boy couldn't leave his father. If he left his father, the old man would die. You told your slaves that if we didn't bring our brother down, we'd never see your face again. When we went back to your servant, our father, we told him what you'd said. Go back down and get some more rations, our father said. We can't go down with our little, without our little brother, we said. We are not allowed to see the man's face if our little brother is not with us. You know, my woman gave me two sons, your slave, my father said. One of them left me, and I said he's been torn up by a vicious animal, and I haven't seen him since. If you take this one from me and some tragedy happens on the road, you'll have destroyed my old age and hellish grief. Now, if we go back to your slave, our father, and the youth is not with us, well, when he sees the boy isn't there, he'll die. Their souls are tied to each other, and your slaves will have sent the dotage of your slave, our father, to hell in great anguish. Your slave is the one responsible for the boy. I told my father, if I don't bring him back to you, I will have sinned before my father for all of my days. Please, now, take your slave instead of the boy as my master's slave. Let the child go back with his brothers. If I go back to my father without the boy, all I'll see is the evil I've done to him. That's chapter 48. Let's hear it for Leia. Uh, Yeah. Uh, songs from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamco covered in this chapter, Who's the Thief and Benjamin Calypso. So right now we're going to do a segment called Devar Torah, or uh, literally the Torah word. Um, so I wonder if you can compact everything that we've read about and talked about today into a single word. Shit. <laughs> Sorry, that was Shit a is a good no, one. No, <laughs> no. Um, um. Family? Family is a good one. Mine was masks. Ooh, deep. Deep. Very deep. It's about deception. 
I don't know. I have I have some thoughts, some very quick thoughts that I wrote down. First of all, um, Yosef really takes after his father because Yaakov. Um, they're both good at deceiving people and pretending they're not who they are. Yaakov did that to his own father in order to get a hold of his older brother's uh, blessing, which is not something that I thought about before today. So that's an interesting parallel to the two. Mm-hmm. What I thought, I thought a lot about identity, about Jewish identity or Hebrew identity, because these aren't really Jews yet, and it was just Purim. In Purim, Esther hides her identity from, uh, from the, the king, from Ahasuerosh. Yosef doesn't actually hide himself from Egypt. Um, he, he's openly a believer in Yehovah. He tells Paro that he believes in Yehovah, and that's part of why they're into him, because... Uh, they're into the idea of this God Yehovah who for some reason they think is power perhaps they are still upset over that time that Yehovah messed with Paro for sleeping with Sarah, I don't know Um, but what's interesting is that he hides himself not from the community that he's in, the world that he's joining, this like not Jewish world if you want to do that, but he hides himself from his family Um, but he can't do that for long because even if you have a beard and nobody recognizes you anymore you can't really deny who you are, and you can't deny yourself. But does he really hide himself, or is he finally himself, and know. his family can't handle they can't that, handle who he and is. they can't see well, him? Well, they don't recognize him for who he really is. But I feel like he, there are moments where he bursts out. Yeah. When he starts crying, when he has to turn away. Yeah. Um, and that was sweet. But I think this is a story about reconciliation. Yes. Um, because he had a really traumatic experience with his brothers. And he can't truly be himself with them, or they cannot recognize him as who he really is um, until they change, until they prove themselves different, perhaps. Yeah, it's a very sad, It's really sad, because, I mean, I think we've both dealt with, in some way, um, dealing with not being ourselves around our family. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a long... it, It takes... I know some people in this room are dealing with stuff like that, and I think it takes... A lot. It's not always going to be change on one side or on the other side, but it takes people have to prove to each other that they can change. And I don't know. Um, that's not very funny. Well, <laughs> my, my question is, though, do you think that, like, could Yosef have been himself in this situation? Like, was there? It was it possible for him psychologically to have seen his brothers walk into the room and immediately said, "I'm Yosef. Here we are." I don't think so, because his brothers wouldn't have been able to see it. Like, he had to first be his true self, who's, like, this big, powerful dude. Yeah. And then he can introduce his younger self. Yeah. But if he would have just started with his younger self, they would have never been able to see the bigger picture of who he was. Yeah. And they wouldn't have seen... They wouldn't have seen what they've done. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't have seen what they did to him if he was himself when he came out. Yeah. That's... No, no. Do you have any other thoughts about this this chapter? No, it just, it's not funny for me. Like, it's, I feel bad, I'm a bad guest, but, like, it's really sad for somebody like me and and a lot of people who struggle with these things about wanting to be your authentic self and realizing, unless I'm king of Egypt, or I plan, I have a theater major, I'm never going to get my family (laughs) to, like, come around and, like, and accept me as my authentic self. Either I have to play a silly game where I am the person they want me to be, Mm -hmm. and it's just really sad. But what I love about the Bible is that, like, that I can turn to it as yeah. a rebel and say, like, they're actually upholding the ideas that I stand for, which is be your authentic self and go off and live your dreams and stuff right. like that. And, and, and you know, change and, and um, 
like taking responsibility for the trauma that you've delivered to somebody else or for the things that you've done that have pushed somebody well they literally sold him they literally got rid of him but um you know taking responsibility for pushing somebody away is what leads to recon reconciliation what leads to forgiveness it's ironic that that's in the book that um <laughs> you were taught yeah. as a child that some people might not be able to see that let's shift gears a little bit um I, one of the things that stuck out to me in this was how very quickly um, all these people are able to go from Canaan to Egypt. Um, because to me, the, the physical space between Egypt and Israel, because of that whole 40 years thing, seems impassable. It seems like it must take years at least to walk. And I wanted to figure out how far it actually is. On the way here, I very quickly Google mapped... Um, <laughs> how long it would take me to walk from Cairo to Jerusalem. <laughs> and it turns out, if I were to walk without... Well, let me ask you, how long do you think it would take? Oh, man, a long time? How long? Estimate. How long? Uh, do you think? Walking? Yes. Uh, a week? A week? Yeah. That's exactly it. If oh, you were man. to walk nonstop from Egypt, from Cairo to Jerusalem, it would take you six days. So I imagine you want to stop to sleep at some point. So maybe, let's say, two weeks, which is crazy to me because the Jews are in the desert for 40 years, which means God's a dick. Anyway. <laughs> that's it for me, and I think that's it for you, unless yes. there's anything else you want to say. Uh, thank you all so much for being here. Um, I'm going to let Leia plug some stuff if there's anything you want to tell our audience here or audience listening to check out. Yeah, um, you guys, please check out my book. Cut Me Loose and in Salvation After My Ultra Orthodox Girlhood. And you can find me on Twitter at Ehyelea, um, which is E H Y E H L E A H. Um, yeah, where I talk about upcoming stuff that I'm doing. And as always, you can find Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible on Facebook.com slash OMG Bible, Twitter at, at OMGWTF Bible, the Tumblr OMGWTF Bible.tumblr.com, OMGWTF Bible.com. Take the survey there, listen to all the episodes there, especially now. You can listen on Stitcher, iTunes, podcast apps. Please share the show with everybody you possibly can um, and rate and review us on iTunes because it really helps. I want to thank uh, Paul and Mike, the owners of this bar, for letting us do this show here. They're not here, but let's hear it for them. Because they might listen, and I want to hear them cheering for you. Fanny Wu for helping us get this space. Our uh, audio engineer, John Passaro, for putting together, especially those of us here who have seen how hard he works. Uh, Wendy Chin for uh, making all the marketing materials and feeding you guys tonight. Uh, let's hear it for Leia Vincent, our amazing guest. Our live audience and you for listening, please be sure to join us right here at Beauty Bar on 14th Street on May 26th at 8 p.m. with Michael Malice, because next month, in the Bible, the truth comes out. Woo!